Come back home to Africa. Come back home. 
along this hoodoo, obeya, life path, and journey, passing down the great obia stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, and indeed, as our beloved Elza, the Queen Mother, Denise Augustine, says, our sacred stories, indeed our sacred stories. And being mindful that the creation of sacred space is critical to all that we do, all we are, all that we say that we be, what we demonstrate in this most present moment in time space. So indeed, the creation of sacred space within, the creation of sacred space in our environments, the creation of sacred space in our communities, ultimately affecting our world. And we also acknowledge that spiritual knowledge and power lies in its efficacy, its ability to produce and manifest tangible, lasting, reliable, life-giving results right here, right now, in this most present moment in time-space. For indeed, this present moment in time-space is all that we truly have. The future is just a vision. It's just an illusion. The past is just a dream now a memory. And so indeed, all we have to operate in, to demonstrate in, to stand up in our God selves is this one moment at a time in which we inhabit as living, breathing entities and beings here on Mother Father Earth in this present moment in time space. Also, always want to welcome and and acknowledge my powerful co-host and my cousin, you know, back in the day, you, you had to acknowledge, especially if you were a child, you had to acknowledge your relatives first by position and then by name. If it was aunt, if it was uncle, if it was grandmama, grandpapa, if it was cousin, you said cousin before you said their name. <laughs> so I also want to acknowledge my cousin, Otan, and allow her to speak her greetings and salutations and welcome her into the show. And then we'll begin another powerful broadcast of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Hoodoo Secrets and Recipes. In his absence and family, I want to give uh, honor to my other Prince Baba at the Bayou Laguna and Olavi, if I say him, Iyalobe, Ogemike, Oyebola Laguna. Uh, and greet everyone here, family listening and watching. Happy Friday. Um, I just want to send love, light, and laughter out to everyone. Somebody needs it. And I'm looking forward to the discussion as always. Please, I encourage everyone, if you have a thought, if you have a memory to share, anything, please call in. If you have a webcam, join us and share. Everyone has something to contribute, and I absolutely Look forward to connecting and speaking with everyone here, as I'm sure my cousin does as well, as always. So uh, let's get started. Love to everybody. Peace and blessings, Mother Savage. I have to acknowledge you here. And uh, let's go. Yes, indeed. I'm always grateful when my mother is with us, um, supports us, loves on us. Um, And, and of course, it's personally um, confirmational and empowering for me. Uh, as I move forward, not only on my personal journey, but within the dynamics of my ministry. And and indeed, and I'm sure my co-hosts, my cousins, my family would agree, 
Um, this is really about ministry. We talk about religion. We talk about politics. We talk about traditional African-based religious systems. We talk about magic. We, we talk about witchcraft. But, but ultimately, this is about ministry. And ministry for me is not religion specific. It's not. It's about service specific and being of service, fulfilling a divine destiny, a divine call, if you will, from God, from the ancestors to feed the needs of of a community, of people. And so it requires a great deal of feeling and being able to sit and be present in feelings, not just those of the people that we assist, but our own. You can't sit in other folks' feelings without sitting in your own feelings. You first identify your own feelings, and we sympathize, we empathize, we connect, you know, at, at a deeper emotional level. And then that allows spirits to talk to us, to tell us what we need, to heal us as we heal those that we assist and, and be of service, increasingly greater service. To the community. So pardon me, forgive me, you know, for my absences, for missing the show. Indeed, my hands are in many pots. We're doing a great deal of work here on the ground, not just in spirituality and religion. I also believe, I believe that as ministers and administers of spirit practice, cultural, ethno, spiritual practice, we have an obligation to be on the front lines. We have an obligation to be involved in the political grassroots orientated movements that take place in our communities. Some of you say, oh, well, politics is too dirty and I don't want to be involved. Some of you say business is too dirty and I don't want to be involved. You know, and, and you slowly carve out isolation, the illusion of isolation for yourself while still uh, allowing the, the retention of, of powers and controls and decisions within your community to be made by other people besides yourself and, and your household. So as ATR practitioners, as spiritual practitioners, as healers, as doulas, as me- medicine men and and women, as psychologists and psychiatrists and, and therapists and counselors, and, and, and evangelists and, and ministers of all types among us, we have an obligation to be involved at the grassroots level. And so that might be assisting in some tutoring, adult education. That might be assisting in voter registration. That might be assisting in getting involved absolutely in the dynamics of the politics that affect your communities. And particularly where you are, where you share a similarity with us in, in New Orleans and, and you're protecting sacred space. We've lost a great deal of sacred space. I'm sure my indigenous ancestors, which has increased in my ancestry.com too, by the way, my indigenous ancestors lost a great deal of sacred space. My ancestral ancestors from the motherland have continued to lose a great deal of sacred space. And we now, as as people of color and, and African Americans, I have an international audience, and I, I appreciate you, but, but specific to America, we've lost a great deal of sacred space, sacred land. 
And along with that, if you don't already understand the history, the story, the folktale, the legends that also follow the people that celebrated, that worshiped, that showed honor, that commemorated on sacred land. And so the Battle for Congo Square is not over. The Battle of Congo Square has not been settled. And indeed, I want to say we are Mayor Cantrell, Mayor Cantrell, NTTD, City Council, City of New Orleans. We are disappointed with the mayor's continued responses to move forward, although a very large number of the residents, citizens, and organizations have publicly expressed opposition to moving City Hall, not just in Congo Square. We were never concerned that you were going to put City Hall on top of what's left of Congo Square, but the land being disturbed, the, the, the historic and ancient trees, some six, 700 years old, being disturbed. The rest of the footprint of historic first free black community in America being disturbed. Our priorities are simple. Our priorities haven't changed. No hum bow, no bow down. Our position has not changed. No city hall in Armstrong Park. No city hall in Treme. The no city hall in Municipal Auditorium. No city hall in Congo Square. For those of you who are easily confused by wordplay, this was never about just Congo Square. It absolutely affects Congo Square, just as if I came and, and decided I'm going to build a house in your front yard. It disturbed your heart, your yard. It, it disturbed your passageway. It disturbed uh, uh, the, your house. It, it disturbed your space. And so our desires, our concerns, our demands are very limited. Our concerns are very limited. We know it's a whole lot going on. Cong- the, the corridor and Claiborne, that's a whole other issue. No city hall in Armstrong Park. No city hall in Municipal Auditorium. No city hall in Congo Square. No city hall in Treme. Repair the Municipal Auditorium. Restore the Morris F. X. Jeff Municipal Auditorium to its theatrical performance glory. Teach teach music, have classes, you know, connected to tourism, if you will. Allow performance. Allow us, the community, to decide how we wish to utilize our sacred space. Uh, The representative uh, congressperson Christian legislation, Christian Palmer, many of you know we had a press conference on Wednesday, which is why I did not broadcast on Wednesday, and congressperson, congressmember, Kirsten Palmer, drew up a document, drew up some legislation that's now on the table, and it's important that we all understand, read, have access to, analyze the legislation, and it is as it is now written, and create space and opportunity to ensure the language is, and indeed 
within the uh, margins of intent for us, the community, that our goals, both short and long term, are met as a community. But we are certainly grateful for Christian Palmer's drawing up the, um, the, the legislation to halt any new production of parking garages, uh, municipal buildings, um, and particularly in Armstrong Park and as it relates to uh, what we are fighting for, have been fighting for for some decades now, will continue to fight for um, and, and want to see happen in, in our space. We are encouraged by City Council Member Christian Palmer's proposed City Council person, uh, Christian Palmer's proposed legislation to stop the mayor's proposal to move City Hall to the Morris F. X. Jeff Memorial, I'm sorry, Municipal Auditorium in Louis Armstrong Park. And we look forward to engaging with Councilmember Palmer and the entire City Council to create a public process on this important issue, which affects Treme, it affects the French Quarter in the neighborhood, as well as the entire city of New Orleans. We demand all current related RFQ, all current related RFP processes cease and desist, and no contracts are awarded prior to a comprehensive, inclusive, and sustained public engagement process. And indeed, indeed, this includes the FEMA money. So I'm begging Congressman Troy to get involved. I'm begging Cedric Richmond and many others get involved. I'm demanding active, presently active, uh, uh, voted in city council members get involved and, and indeed stop this process. If you don't stand with us now, we will not stand with you on election day. It is clear to me the timing delay, 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 so that you all can sort of get through uh, elections for fall of 2021? No. No. Including the mayor? No. No, 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 no. This will be handled now. This will be handled on the forefront in writing, in writing, before we move forward peaceably with anything. Just, just so we clear, <laughs> just so we clear. So we got to get involved. We can't be silent. We can't leave it to the hands of, of others. We can't assume that the activist is already handling it. You can't assume that, you know, your revolutionaries who are already exhausted, you know, from fighting and fighting and more fighting and more challenges and more battles. Uh, to our civil rights, to our freedoms, to our liberties, as it sometimes relates to, to the police. You know, we're already exhausted. So we need people to continue to rise up. We need people to continue to be active. We need people to continue to produce emails and, and viral videos and, and creative content that can be shared and reshared and, and sent an email directly to the mayor, uh, directly to the city council members. Uh, I have also compiled, for those of you who are interested, a more comprehensive and detailed list of the political figures here 
that are involved so that you who are not necessarily living in the city but are indeed concerned, show some love and support for our culture, our history, our tradition. Uh, we have a list of people that you can uh, send your commentary and your post and your video content to, uh, the mayor, the city council, and, and, and many others that we wish you to press a button on. We still need this to be an international issue. This is not just a city issue. This is not just a state issue. This is not just a local New Orleans people issue. This is an international issue. New Orleans is international. Our history, our culture, our, our tourism base is international. So we need people to be worked up. We need people to be upset. We need to, people to be calculated in their actions, their moves, their motions, and we need you to keep them, keep them coming. We know they're reaching their, their target by the response, and particularly by the kind of three you know, responses that we've gotten directly from TD herself. Um, so we know that they're getting through. We, we know that they're reaching a target. We just need you all not to let up. And those of you who are supporters but haven't done nothing yet, we need you to do something. We need you to sign the petition if you haven't already done that. We need you to email, written emails, but also your nice, creative, viral video emails, DMs, whatever it takes to get through to the council members, the, the uh, congressmen involved, to the mayor involved about how uh, of a non-issue moving any kind of governmental facility, but particularly City Hall, into uh, Congo Square is. Um, and greetings to all my chat. Um, I'm certainly grateful for everyone being with us. Greetings, Matt Austin Bay, beloved. Alexis Williams, Ashley Allen, Chef Bougie, Craig Burns, Grand Rising to You and Yours, Enzo Khalifa. Beloved, we are certainly grateful to all of our kinship as well. Yes, Asheo, uh, Lateria Daniel, greetings, beloved. Thank you for being a consistent participant and listener. Craig Burns, greetings, greetings, greetings. Yes, um, there are many questions that still remain unanswered. Uh, why doesn't, you know, 600-year-old tree uh, not immediately stop construction? Why doesn't historic landmark and space not immediately stop this construction? Um, there are many questions that I, I don't have time to, like, really answer here, um, so I'll be glad to help you sort of get involved with us. And then there are so many other questions that still remain unanswered. Uh, the mayor still has not addressed us directly at all, still has not, you know, responded to us directly at all. And though there have been um, meetings planned and organized, they have been shipped a little bit. <laughs> you know, they have been rescheduled, you know, more than once. Um, so we'll see. And that's why I say we can't stop. We can't let up. We're not about to take a break. No one is in celebration mode. For anyone local in the city listening, we're not in celebration mode. We don't think the mayor said anything spectacular. We don't think she said anything that even suggests remotely that she um, is going to do what needs to be done to stop any action and activity. So we don't stop. We don't bow down. We don't lay down. We don't have time. 
Um, and we're coming for you. We're coming for you. And, and, and we, we're doing a political thing. We're doing a legal thing. You know, we're doing the, the, the societal, politically correct thing. But we're also doing voodoo, hoodoo, and root work and conjure. And we also got people, revolutionaries, who, who don't know how to be quiet, who don't know how to be silent, who, who don't know how to be still for very long, who are also getting involved and actively participating uh, in this action. We have to ensure that this is never even dreamt of again. We have to ensure that this is never even put on the table again. No more than you would decide to put City Hall and Arlington National Cemetery. We have to ensure that this never is even a point of discussion for anyone holding that position, let alone our first female mayor, our first black elected female mayor to the position of mayorhood. How do you want to be showed up in history, boo-boo, beloved? How do you want to show up, Katie, you know, in the history books, do the right thing, some of us still have faith that you're going to do the right thing. Some of us. Some of us voted for you in the beginning because we thought you was going to do the right thing. Uh, and then some of us noticed some changes right at that election event, that, that party y'all had. Yeah. So let's, let's do the right thing. Let's acknowledge, protect sacred space, historic space, Let's stop any move on City Hall coming into Treme. And I invite all of my participants, my listeners, my international audience to get involved, to call, to, to blow up the phones, to blow up the text, to blow up the DMs, to blow up the emails, to make your lovely, creative, viral videos and, until we get some real concrete ink to pen response. You know, in a personal face-to-face, sit down with the mayor uh, about this this discussion. So I'm thankful, I'm grateful, and I'm asking all of you, get more involved. Get more involved. Uh, Matt um, Austin Bay says they are deliberately trying to disrupt our connection to our a- ancient culture. Absolutely, to, to, our, to our roots, to our power. And so we can't let this happen here. We can't continue to let it happen in other countries, we can't continue to allow it to happen in other nations. You know, just the wanton destruction of historic sacred spaces, you know, by, by, by the Islamists in, in Africa and Timbuktu and, and, and many other historic ancient sites th- throughout the Middle East, uh, is just alarming. Uh, some of you are not even aware to what degree uh, ancient, ancient sites like Timbuktu were you even aware that Timbuktu had been destroyed, had been damaged, seriously damaged uh, by Islamists? So it happens, you know, on all the religion watches, religious watches of Christians, Muslims, Jews, you know, it's happening. So you got to start somewhere. It's too big of a pie to sort of sit back and look at and say, well, how do we consume this? You know, you consume it one bite at a time, or ancient proverb, one bite at a time. You know, and you start in your neighborhood. You start in your community. You start where you are. Um, Goat Rider, we don't have an organized hashtag, and, and thank you. You might be able to help me to sort of work on that. 
Uh, we do hashtag Congo Square. We hashtag Congo Square Preservation Society. We hashtag um, Stop City Hall or Stop City Hall New Orleans. Stop City Hall New Orleans. We also invite you to at Mayor Cantrell, at City of New Orleans, and then, of course, at specific um, – and give me just a second. I'm going to pull that list up where I can see it. Uh, council people who also need to be uh, reminded and woke up to the notion that elections are coming quickly this year, and we need a response now, not later in the year. Helena Moreno at large, Helena Moreno at large, we need a response now, not later in the year. Donna Glapion at large, and I'm going to share this with with you all uh, to the best of my ability as soon as I get two good free hands. Donna Glapion at large, we need a response from you sooner, not later, now, not in the fall. Joseph Gurioso, Gurioso, District A, we need a response now, not after elections, not close to elections. We need it now. J Bank, District B, we need a response from you now. You all need to get on board. Jared Brossett, or Brossett, Jared Brossett, District D, we need a response from you now, not at election. It'll be too late then because many of us have already decided how we're going to vote. Uh, Cindy Nguyen, we need a response from you now, District E, not after the election. You all need to get on board with Kristen Palmer, District C, and figure out what you all need to do to stop this action, stop this motion, uh, and to join your constituents, the city, in our uh, response, our collective no to this action. So, uh, yeah, go right. If you can help me with that, you know, hook up with me in Facebook or even by email or even in Twitter um, and, and help me to sort of compile some consistency um, with that. That that would be very useful. That would be very useful. Right now, people are sort of, as I suggested, targeting the mayor, targeting city council. Um, of course, Congo Square, Congo Square Preservation Society, uh, French Quarter, um, and then there are many associations associated with the French Quarter, um, the uh, Fogball Treme Association. There's so many organizations uh, locked into this collective. Obviously, there are things that we haven't covered or, or even thought of, and so that's why I'm putting out the petition to the community to continue to help us because we've gotten a lot of help, and, and we really appreciate that. Um, from ideas to resources, we appreciate that. And so if you can help me to sort of remind me and to compile a more consistent hashtag list that we can kind of share, um, that will be good. That will be good. Yeah, mayor often means collaborator, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Uh, sometimes it's willing, you know, willing to collaborate. Other times they get backed into a corner. 
to collaborate. Um, so we don't quite know exactly yet what the case is here, uh, or at least not willing to say so. <laughs> but we know something. <laughs> something is going on. We thank you. Um, Apollin, I hope I appreciated your name correctly. We appreciate you as well. Yes, Save Congo Square is good. Save Congo Square. Uh, we just don't want people to forget that uh, Congo Square, as a historic, uh, as a symbol as it is, it's a symbol for some, something much bigger, which is Tremaine, historic Tremaine. The first, Save historic Tremaine. Save historic Tremaine. Um, respect historic Tremaine. Save historic Tremaine. It, it is, again, the first free black community in America, Tremaine. You know, we, they did a cable. We did a cable HBO TV series about Tremaine. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's available on Amazon. Call Treme, T-R-E-M-E. Except we say Treme. And if you're from here, you say Treme. Everybody else say Treme. Yeah, so save Treme, save, save historic Treme. Absolutely pour libations. Absolutely invoke your ancestors. Invoke those warring revolutionary ancestors, the ancestors who wouldn't lie down the ancestors who wouldn't bow down, the ancestors who wouldn't keep quiet. Devon, um, I wanted to add something, if I may, for just a moment. Please. Um, Sister Shamafia, uh, I saw one of your comments before um, when you mentioned uh, the in a green pot. And my question to you before I go any further is, were you referring to the situation in itself going into the pot, or were you referring to names specifically? Can you answer that for me, please? And I'll tell you why I asked that in just a moment. Okay. I want to see how responds in the chat, because I want to address something that's very important. And everyone watching, everyone listening, I need you to really pay attention to this portion yes. because it is very important. And in the uh, interim, Shemafia, hold on. And in the interim, as we wait for Shamafia to complete. Okay. Um, well, while until she responds, I want to say that um, if you do not already know, those who are practitioners or if you know someone who is a practitioner, um, or a deep guilty of Ifa. Okay, she said situation. So the reason why I asked is because those of us, those priests who have shrines, must know and please be mindful that it is also our responsibility to be mindful of the actions we take in a situation. And I'm not saying you specifically, Shamafia, put me in the mindset to give an air of caution to those listening, to those watching. Be careful about wanting, when you have certain situations or you feel like there's an issue with uh, with a person, be mindful of the quick to, I'm going to put this person's name in a pot, or I'm going to put this person's name in a green pot. And I say that because a green is the Orisha of truth, okay, and he's about justice. Understand, there's no preference. Justice. So best believe, 
that axe is going to swing both ways. So we have to be mindful when addressing certain situations, especially with people and names. This is why it's important to be careful what you think and be careful what you speak, because we also have our say of the mouth. That's for later. But what I want you to understand is we have to be mindful in doing those things, because just as we can speak it for one person, and while our hearts may be in the right place for that situation, be mindful Justice is justice. Ogun is not just going to look at that situation. Ogun is going to show up and he's going to show out and tear it up for anybody who has anything going on that is unsafe. So just be mindful when we want to do those things and speak those things because we may not want to have karma or have that wrap spring back on us because it's going to rectify a situation that may be unjust, but we have to be mindful in how we approach things, okay? That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Well, all is a blessing. I have um, uploaded the best that I could right now, just a photo of the names of the people in particular that we want to target um, within our own local government. Uh, A better way of obtaining this will probably be um, on my Twitter or Facebook or even um, Instagram. When I get a free hand, I'm going to uh, input that information in the uh, live chat that's going on now here with the show. And then you can uh, save the photograph, you know, for yourselves and then write these individuals. And, and, if, and that's if you can't capture it uh, in the format that I have it on the screen now. So give me just a second here, one more. Okay, so my social media is now um, in the chat. If you aren't able to uh, gather the information uh, from off screen, but these are the, the uh, particular people: uh, Hena, uh, Helena Moreno at large, uh, Erico five zero four six five eight one zero six zero, Hena. I believe that's uh, a dot Moreno at NOLA.gov. You have Donna Glapion at large, area code 504-658-1070. She is Donna dot Glapion, G-L-A-P-I-O-N at NOLA.gov. You have Joseph Girioso. G-I-A-R-R-U-S-S-O of District A. Area code 504-658-1010. And he's Joseph dot G-I-A-R-R-U-S-S-O at NOLA dot com. J Banks, District B, area code 504-658-1020. Email J dot H dot Banks at NOLA dot com. Of course, Christian Palmer, who uh, drew up the initiative, who who is sort of directing the initiative, at at least at the city council level, to halt garages and government buildings and and the like uh, being being constructed at this time, uh, is on our team. And her number is 504-658-1030. And that's Christian, K-R-I-S. T-I-N, Christian dot Palmer, P-L-P 
P-A-L-M-E-R at NOAA.gov. Gerard Brosset or Brosset at 504-658-1040. Um, email is J-C-B-R-O-S-S-E-T-T at NOLA.gov. And Cindy Wynn, District E, Cindy Wynn, uh, her last name is spelled N like Nancy, G-U-Y-E-N, Cindy Wynn. Her phone number is 504-658-1050. And she's Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I dot Win N G U Y E N at NOLA dot com. So I appreciate everyone's support, uh, everyone's patience, everyone who's sticking in with me even during this political content. Um, I, I honor you. I, I appreciate you. Uh, it tells me that you are here not just for uh, our wonderful entertainment. It's telling me you're here not just for, you know, magic, but you're indeed uh, involved in the community. You're indeed involved in, in, in the culture. Uh, and so I'm honored by that. I truly am. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, do what you can. Help us. Be loud. Be proud. We, we can't let City Hall come into Treme whatsoever, whatsoever. Um, and, and we cannot let the municipal auditorium be sort of detracted from its uh, original uh, purpose, which is a community art performance location. Uh, great, uh, thank you, Ghost Rider. Please enjoy your day. Um, yes, please uh, instant message me by Facebook. Um, and then we can further collaborate on, on how to move those hashtags forward. Um, I pray your your children have a great day. I say enjoy, I say. And we appreciate you taking the time um, to come by. We certainly do. And we appreciate everyone who's with us now. Those who are listening on the phone lines, just remember to press the number one on your telephone keypad when you're ready with your question, comment, or request. And I will open your mic. And, of course, you can follow the link that is scrolling at the bottom of the screen. And you can also be brought on as a co-host live on screen. Um, I call today a wellness check. You know, check in with me. Since, indeed, I have missed a show or two. Check in with you. Check in with the community. Wellness check. And, you know, it's important that we do wellness checks, particularly today in, in this day and age and with the technologies that are now available to us. And it's very easy for people to sort of believe the illusion of isolation, to sort of fall into the illusion of isolation. Even with all the gadgets and technology, you know, the world is indeed getting smaller by way of technology, yet even in the most crowded of urban spaces, people feel isolated, people feel alone, uh, people don't feel connected often, even to their own communities. Do you know the names of those who reside in your apartment building? Depends on the size of your apartment building. But it also depends on you. It also depends on you. Do you know the names of your neighbors on your block? Depends on the size of your block. But it also depends on you. You know, it, and, and for some reason, the bigger the city, the bigger the building, the bigger the community, 
the less likely people are to know any given number of names, identities, stories of the people that you share community with. You know, if you're riding public transportation, how often do you ride in silence? How often do you have a conversation with, with others? How often do you conversate about things that matter, things that are important, things that make a difference? So I implore you today, call your mama, call your daddy, call your auntie, call your uncle, call your cousin, call your best girlfriend. Call the top three people that you interact with on social media, that, that like your posts, that reshare your stuff. Call them, video call them if you can't visit them and do a wellness check not about business not about the project you're already working on how are you doing how are you doing today how are you doing right now in this most present moment in time space much like the questions that I that I ask when I wake up in the morning my my shadow work test questions. How do you feel? How do you feel? Do you love life? Do you love life? Are you happy to be here? Are you happy to be here? Are the ancestors still with you? And is God still in control? Those are my five shadow work questions. But these are indeed shadow work questions for our, for our society, for our community. How do you feel? And if not, that's the shadow work. If not, then we explore why. Why? And, and sometimes we get overwhelmed by the list. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by the sheer number of items on this list. You know, we get overwhelmed by the sheer number of items in our home that need to be cleaned up or cleaned out the sheer item, number of items in your garage or your yard that need to be cleaned up or cleaned out. So, indeed, when we look at society, greater society as a whole, the, the list is great. The, the shadow work list is great. But we figure out where we belong, where we fit in, where we can be most useful, where our voice is most powerful and, and most acknowledged. And then do the work. I got a friend. She's just a, a, a go-to. She don't necessarily want to speak. She don't necessarily want to be in front of no camera. She don't necessarily have to be the lead. She just want to go to where you need me to go to. The store, where you, where you need me to go to. The mechanic, where you need me to go to. Just tell me what to go to, and I'll go to it. That's my go-to girl. <laughs> you know? And, and then you got your guy that's, security, or you got your guy that's, you know, handy, or, or you got your guy that's athletic, you know, and, and, and physical and, and able to do things. So there's a place in, in the army, there's a place in the community, there's a place in the village for each and every one of us. And so finding our way, finding our path, finding our destiny, we spend a lot of time just in the finding. You know, at some point we have to move into the doing and, and the placing ourselves out there in the road where the traffic is. And I mean that in the best way possible. 
whether you're talking about dating, whether you're talking about finding the next job, whether you're talking about finding the next profitable opportunity, you have to be out there in the road. You have to be out there in the crossroads, out there in, in, in life, in society, literally and sometimes figuratively, uh, to meet those opportunities, to be present in those moments. So we need your voices. We need your activity. We need your presence within our community to fulfill, do, and fulfill the will of the Most High, the will of the ancestors, the, the desires of our heart. We must be willing to, to step out there in the road. So how do you feel? How do you feel? Do you love life? Do you love what you're doing? Do you love where you're going? Do you, do you love what you have right now to, to work with? And, and, and if we can't answer any of those questions in the affirmative, that, that's where our shadow work is hiding. No, seriously, that, that's where the shadow work is hiding. You might say, it's, oh, well, I, I just got to fix this bill for next week. No, you got to meet that bill subsequently every month. That's why it's called a bill. <laughs> so the temporary fix is to, to meet the bill for next week. But the, but the long-term fix is how do we position ourselves personally into, into a much more comfortable place to just do the work of evolving into God, to, to do the work of evolving into Goddess. And some of the tasks of life, you know, whether living can, can be a little bit of a distraction. At some point you got to eat, you know, you got to be clothed, the children got to be housed. You know, and then jobs come in, careers come in, employment comes in, often taking up a great deal of of your remaining energy. And then some of you only have enough time to crash, burn, and get up and do it again. You know, so, so being that this is a spirituality and religious platform, but we cover all aspects of life, you know, and living, do a wellness check on yourself on each other, even you married couples, you long-term relationships, you, you long-term house-sharing, residing individuals, sometimes you have to stop and ask honestly, ask openly, ask intensively, how do you feel? How do you feel? Do you love life? Do you love life? You know, you, you have to ask and be able to answer those questions in affirmative. And, and we avoid them. <clears throat> Are you happy to be here? We avoid them sometimes because we know that there's work lurking behind that. Because you might say, you know, I feel great, but are you happy to be here? And, and, and you're being asked that by maybe your problem, some spouse, it might be some shadow work lurking there. It, it might be some shadow work within the dynamics of that relationship. I also wanted to, uh, because I told you all that I would, I want to talk about, um, quickly, if we can, a Karen horror movie. A Karen horror movie. I mentioned it the other day, but I couldn't remember the details. I have them in front of my face now. Taryn Manning. A Karen horror movie starring Taryn Manning is coming out. In 2020, Karen emerged as a timely insult to entitled white women who asked to speak to the manager. Time and time again in the news, 
There were stories of women upset about their neighborhood children selling bottles of water, having a cookout, or walking their dogs. For the first time, the public pushed back against the narrative that the white women are simply endangered and acting out of concern when calling the police on black people doing harmless, normal neighborhood activities around them. That conversation inspired Coke Daniels to write and direct a thriller based on Evil Karen. Tyron Manning stars as the tutelar Karen who learns a black family is moving into her neighborhood. She does whatever she can think of to try to force them out of their home. The IMDB synopsis reads simply, a racist entitled white woman in the South terrorizes her new black neighbors. Of her role, Taryn Manning says, I felt a social responsibility to take on this role. Even if I had to play the villain to affect change around the globe, then I was more than willing to step into the role. What's been going on is devastating, she says. It's time for change and for me to be part of the bigger picture. It's time for change and, and she being a part of the bigger picture, uh, she says, meant a lot to her. The movie, Karen, finished production February 2021. It doesn't have a release date yet, but it should come soon. So, indeed, there is a movie, a Karen movie, that's coming out, (laughs) okay? And I'd be curious to know you all's comments and opinions, if any, about that topic as I uh, scan the, the chat for any missed commentary. Uh, I'm going to let my cousin hold it down for just a second while I check the chat. Come on in, beloved. I see your faces. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Lizzie, I'm sorry. Queen Mother Savage has completely discombobulated my convoluted. So I'm getting myself together. Uh, but I, Karen, my goodness. It, how much time we got left? We got a minute. I don't, I mean, there's so much more we could focus on. There's, we already know there's so much more we could focus on. Um, I have no issues with certain movies for entertainment or anything like that, but when it, when I, I feel like when it comes to awareness, when it comes to issues like pressure issues in our community that need to be handled, that we need to come together on, Karen isn't one of them at all. They're everywhere, and, and they're, they're people. They're, we, have, we have got to understand um, when we see or, or interact with different people and we say, oh, I, I spoke to such and such and they made me so angry and they made me this and this and that. And this made me this and this made me that. No one can force you to feel anything. No one can make you mad. No one can force you 
become man. You can allow a person's words and actions to manipulate your feelings towards a specific emotion, but no one can force you to feel anything. We have to be able to understand that everything doesn't deserve a reaction. Everything doesn't deserve a response. You know that saying, choose a battle. You decide what you put energy to. And there are a lot of times there are situations that, that we may have experienced that afterwards we go, what did I even bunk? Why did you bunk? Now you're bunk. And that person went on about their day. And a lot of the times that should let you see or allow you to see in that moment that the energy that you put towards that isn't worth it because what does it change after that moment? What happens still happens. Whatever said was still said. You know, so we have to be mindful of, of what we allow because a person can do that. They can only do what we allow. Yeah, okay. I agree. And quite often, you know, particularly when we think about movies, they're, they're more often than not um, created for an audience that is not our community. Now, indeed, there are movies that are, you know, targeted specifically to the black market. Uh, and we're going to see more of that you know, now with your federalized, you know, Juneteenth, you're going to see more movie products being marketed directly at our community. But often, more often than not, you know, um, the movies are just not created for us. Um, maybe about us on the occasion, but not necessarily for us. So, you know, my concern, if any, uh, about, as you stated, an, an entertainment piece um, would be if there is any uh, redeeming value in it, how well does the actress and the other players involved play to getting that greater message across to uh, the white community? I mean, Karen, it's really not our problem. It's really not a quote-unquote black problem. It's, it's a problem in the white community, just as racism and white supremacy is really not, quote, unquote, our problem, though we're the victims of it. It's really a white problem and it has to be dealt with in that community if we're ever going to see a day when we're not still needing to even make um, movies of, of, of this type. For some reason, um, just the whole idea of the Karen movie sort of took me back to white girls. You know, and the Wayans brothers, who that family, you know, talented and creative family, the Wayans, um, have always had social commentary, you know, weaved into their comedy. So in my mind, wasn't that the original Karen movie? I mean, you know, white girls, and and did did they not display sort of that degree of entitlement and, and, you know, but, but, but use comedy? You know, as a way of sort of addressing it. So I'm I'm curious as to see how people respond to it. I'm not, you know, I'm not in a rush to run out to the movie theater and watch it, or pay money to watch it. But I'm certainly um, waiting on the commentary about the movie. You know, and and indeed, if it has some gravity in the community, pop culturally speaking, um, what will it be? 
Um, Yoel Adams says, people have been programmed to be reactive to the enchantments of others, much so from a, from a group seen in authority. Yeah, I, 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 if I'm understanding you, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's in everything from what we eat to what we buy to what we think is important. Um, I remember a day when bell bottoms was important. I remember a day when stacks were hella important. I had to have, you know, two or three pair, you know, and they were my favorite shoes at the time. <laughs> you know, stacks. If you all young folks don't know what I'm talking about. Stacks, you know, um, and then they went out of style. And then we moved on to, you know, what, penny loafers, you know, or, or the next thing. But often these trends in culture feed what we think we need, what we think we want, what we believe we must have. And that ties into value. Am I of less value because I don't have a car? Am I of less value because I don't have a smartphone and I'm still using a flip phone? Am I of less value because I can't, you know, afford $300 sneakers. I remember when $75 was a lot of money for sneakers. $300 sneakers, you know, versus... Yeah, really good sneakers. So, so yeah, the why is the shadow work, uh, Jody Netta said. Yeah, the why is the shadow work. Uh, Craig Burns, the shadow... The, the, the movie, I keep forgetting Craig Burns lives in the UK. Um, it's about white women in America who are seen to be oversensitive um, to black presence anywhere out in society. And and it usually is, it has become so common here that there's a storyline to it. Um, you identify the suspected black person driving while black, walking while black, walking dog in public park while black, you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, and then you launch an attack. Uh, in some cases, people have, like in the case of Aubrey, uh, some people have actually lost their lives over, you know, Katrina and Katrina-like antics. Um, you know, the police show up, kill somebody, wrong person. Wasn't even supposed to have been there. You know, something of that effect. So the movie is about entitled white women. Because for some reason, um, even in the, in the scheme of racism, we pin a great deal of the weight onto women, particularly white women, uh, which somehow gives white men a pass. I don't know. Aren't they just as capable of caring-like behavior, you know, uh, as white women? So the movie is, is, is a quote-unquote horror movie about a black family, and it's not a new thing. You know, we've done TV and movies. Unfortunately, a hundred times about black families moving in to a white community. Uh, Sounder is one of the first movies that comes to my mind. My mother made sure we watched Cecily Tyson and, and Sounder as kids. One of the movies that's like stuck to my ribs, as they used to say, and the idea of a black family moving into a community and being lynched out, burned out. KKK out. It's all the same thing. It's just a different tactic depending on what decade of history uh, that it's performed in. So today, you know, you don't get the cross burning necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, You don't get the fire 
firebomb necessarily. So, you know, we learn to use the system to further appropriate, you know, white supremacist ideas in the culture. So as a driving while black, walking while black, I'm much more likely to have the police called on me uh, for being anywhere in public that Craig Burns could go out to in public and not get much of a response at all. In fact, it happened to me, some of y'all remember, uh, maybe two years ago, three years ago, I, I had to get an affidavit uh, notarized for my acting agent for an acting job. And the only notary, uh, quote unquote, 24-hour notary, was set up in this, this huge building right off of Canal Street and, and St. Charles Avenue. Um, and I'm there looking for the notary who's not where he's supposed to be, um, can't be contacted or, or, or located, and it's a building full of attorney's offices. So I'm literally going from floor to floor to floor looking for an attorney. And many of you know all attorneys don't do notary. <laughs> you know, so I, I had to look. Um, and this is a huge building. Um, I can't tell you how many floors in it. I can tell you it's so big that you get to the 14th floor, you get off the elevator, you get on a completely different set of elevators, and then you go up even higher. Because this is a high-security building. It's a bank building. So lawyers, bankers, I'm sure safes, and, you know, it's a financial building. So the security is tight. And each time you round the corner, it's a security desk at both ends of every corner at every floor. And I used to work security. used to be head security at 650 Porges. And so I'm hella friendly with security. Hey, how y'all doing? It's me again. Have you found anybody? No, I ain't found nobody yet. I'm about to make another round up and down, back and forth. Well, security supervisor, now not in a uniform, but with a suit and a tie on, you know, comes running out of somewhere uh, and decides he wants to intervene. And I'm on the phone. Well, no, I'm standing while the security guard is on the phone with him trying to tell him what it is that I'm looking for and get some kind of assistance. Oh, oh, his response is, oh, we just need him out of the building. And she hands the phone to me. I'm, what you handing that to me for? Who, who is this? Click. I hang the phone up. Girlfriend, he came running off that elevator. <laughs> Like Speedy Gonzalez, and, and he just knew he, he had a mark. He just knew he had a mark, and he's ready to ask me to leave the building. And no, I'm on a journey. I'm not about to leave the building. I got things that I'm here to do, you know, and if you can help me fulfill that, great. But no, no, I, I'm not about to leave the building. And call the police and, you know, make, make a big fuss. But before the police get there, six engineers, janitors, six engineers run off the elevator. And I'm like, what y'all about to do? Y'all janitors, y'all don't even have any legal position to even put hands on me. What y'all about to do? Where y'all come from? Okay, you know? So now you got six engineers, the, the, the head darky with the tie on, you know, and they, they just worked up, and, and now here the police come. But no sooner than the police are coming, uh, and I'm going to call her Hillary Clinton because she kind of looked like Hillary Clinton. She kind of put you in the mind of Hillary Clinton. 
So Hillary Clinton, who happens to be the building manager, she she comes out kind of quietly, and she kind of stood there. And so I'm communicating with the police. This is what's happening. Oh, I forgot to tell y'all that I called the police. I called the police and told them what was happening, that I was being accosted. You know, I told them why. and Because they asked me, well, why? What's the problem? I'm being black in the building. I called the police there. So I talked the police through the whole scenario, cell phone in hand, you know, while this is going on. So by the time the police get there and Hillary Clinton shows up, she says, oh, no. And she grabs me by the wrist and she kind of pulls me away and leaves them all kind of in a jumble. Notarizes my paperwork. They offer me coffee with cream and crumpets. Honey, okay. <laughs> lavish office, lavish office, honey, in, in upstairs in the building. You know, and, and by the time I came out of there, of course, all the security, you know, everybody's gone back to their post, and the police is, is, is long gone. But I've now got to go down those, those flights and pass every one of those security guards on the way. And she's giving me, you know, my document. She put my document in the folder. She put the folder in a manila envelope. She put the manila, manila, manila envelope in a bigger manila envelope. And then she put that in one of those accordion legal files that you see attorneys. And then she put it in that. Are y'all paying attention? How many layers do you need for two pieces of paper? No, she wanted visuals. Visuals. <laughs> she wanted those people to know as I was leaving there that, that I came there and handled my business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as I was hitting each one of those 14 floors on my way out of there. And it was very gratifying. It was. But yeah, I've been, I've been guilty of being black in public, black in the store, black while driving, black while shopping. You know, and that's what the whole Karen phenomenon is, uh, Craig Burns. It's just new because of TikTok and social media, which has given people sort of the tools, um, and I'm very careful with what I'm about to say. But that's what I mean, the tools to make it entertaining. So it's not just that these things now are being captured on film. Heaven forbid. You know, girl's boyfriend murdered right in front of her, caught on film. You know, knee on the neck, caught on film. You know, heaven forbid. But when I say entertainment, I don't mean laughs, jokes. I mean entertainment in that some of us find murder shows entertaining. Some of us find NCIS New Orleans entertaining. Some of us find, you know, uh, what's the program... Uh, with the, the the orator, and you know we've arrived on the scene, and you know of of Sixteenth and Johnson, and and we find a young man lying in the street, dead. No, first forty-eight. Yeah, first forty-eight, dead. You know he always takes that pause. Check it out. He always takes that pause right before he say dead. You know we're 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 at Washington and Jackson, and we're at the scene of, a, of a, obviously a terrible crime, and we find a young man laying in the street, dead. You know, yeah, he's dead. It's, it's forty-eight hours. You know, but that's what I meant when I say entertainment. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. 
So it's more entertaining now because you can put it on a loop. You can put it on TikTok and, and add graphics to it, add explanations. Sometimes we see these videos and you don't know what the hell is going on. And if you like me, you keep scrolling. I ain't got time. I keep scrolling. But if it's got commentary, you know, you know what's happening, then you might stop and say, oh, wait a minute, and look at it. That's what I mean by it's more entertaining. So that's where Karen came from for my UK listeners and my inter- international audience. <clears throat> that's where the idea of Karen came from, the idea that Otan and I or Alexis or many of us cannot walk around without being guilty of being black, guilty of being black in America without some adverse reaction, you know, at the checkout counter, at the auto shop, at the bank, on the street, minding your business. Heaven forbid, um, say her name, Breonna Taylor, um, being minding your business and in your house, you know, so Karen became sort of a, uh, a, a euphemism, if you will, a symbol of a much deeper systemic problem, you know, in our culture. Because, indeed, the behavior is, is demonstrated beyond just white women. It's demonstrated by black people sometimes, depending on what gay community you walk up into, you know, and, and it still lends to uh, the, sort of the white supremacist belief that we're all guilty by being black. We're all suspect, just number one, because you're black, and, and then in their mind, you're in a location or doing something uh, that they think you shouldn't do. And, and exactly. Like uh, Craig Burns said, um, they have been working on desensitizing the public. That's why they have these shows um, like the first 48 and different things. So if they show that's enough, even on the news now, the news will show more gory or, you know, disturbing footage than what they had ever showed when I was growing up. So they they have been actively, absolutely, they have been actively working to desensitize the community to desensitize the population. So when things like that are seen going down in real life, it doesn't hit that hard because they want it to be used. I remember HBO used to, I don't remember the name of the show, but there is a famous uh, forensic doctor, and they had a whole show with him up there doing murder cases and autopsies, like just autopsies. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, no. And, and they have, this is, and this was 10, 12 years ago, so it has been going on actively for quite some time, and, and this is what we have now, and this is why, it is it's become as divine said entertaining. This is why you have the first forty eight. This is why the situations are happening, unfortunately. You have people that are standing there in the midst of a crisis and standing there filming and not act, actively doing something or, or stepping forward to to try to intervene. It's become entertainment now and that is is bad. You know, Craig, what's interesting about this particular comment, um, I think he's saying, Well, call the police on them. And, uh, you know, that one, it does not work the same when it's us calling the police on them. And two, 
which is why I said it's a much deeper systemic problem. Um, there are many black folks who won't call the police for nothing, for nothing, simply because of the the issue of fire first and ask questions later, kill black first and, and, and figure out the details later, because of the knee on my neck, you know, because of the, oh, I thought he had a gun and it turned out to be a cell phone. You, you have many black people. And let me be clear, international and national audience, I don't just mean black people in the hood. I don't just mean the inner city. I mean black people in the suburbs, in the rural area, in decent communities that are not going to call the police first, no matter what. There was a situation where the young man was a security guard, and he was doing his job, and they had a disturbance. The police were called. The police showed up and murdered him. He was at work. He was a security guard. So a lot, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. A lot of the times you have some that won't call them because there's no telling what's going to happen. They're supposed to be there to help, but if their if sights are set on our kind being, our people being the enemy, and that whatever happened, who, whoever the dog is, that, that's where the, the problem lies, that in itself is, is where the issue is and what needs to be addressed. Yeah, I think he's also making the point of just the destigmatization. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, not only are we, you know, sort of destigmatized within the community where the, the murders and the killings tend to happen and go on, where the police stops that go bad, you know, tend to go on. But then your greater community, um, you know, is also destigmatized to it by, as Otan said, you know, it's on the news every day. And it's often focused in on, you know, crowded areas, urban areas, inner city, and communities where we are. You know, you don't even see the same degree of reporting in rural areas or more isolated communities. So, yeah, there's a destigmatizing that, that, that happens, uh, but, but also, uh, you know, by fear, I guess, uh, or, you know, because you don't want to just keep seeing death, death every day. But then there's also that sort of inadvertent promotion, you know, of it through entertainment, whether it be movies or TV. We get, we give the rap industry a, a hard time, you know, about some of the language and some of the, the paintings, the, the dramas that they paint, that they depict for us. But then we turn the TV on and, and see the docudramas and see the the police stories and see the the murder stories uh doing quite the same thing just without the music just just without the music so you're being destigmatized to it you see it so much that you know you, you're destigmatized to the shock of it all while at the same time it, it gains a sense of normalcy it's normalized you begin to think that it's normal you begin to expect it you, you begin to accept it as a part of normal reality. And I, I dare say it has its worst effect on us, uh, which is why the, the whole Karen thing is, is an issue uh, to begin with. Uh, the Iraq war. Um, yeah, you're kind of beginning to tell your age, Craig Burns. Uh, yeah, the Persian Gulf War, the Iraq war. Uh, I, I'm at the age where I've seen all of that on television. Uh, World Trade Center, saw it on television. 
O.J. Simpson was was in L.A., saw it on television. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And it also um, gives the world sort of a false sense of what America is. Because on the one hand, you have sort of this, you know, utopia narrative. I don't know who's pushing that narrative, but somebody's pushing the narrative, you know, of this great American, you know, utopia, land of the home and free and the brave. You know, you can go from broke to Mercedes, you know, home ownership, you know. But at the same time, our media, our videos, even our social media is revealing a whole nother side, you know, to what America is, to who Americans are. And so even our black brothers and sisters all over the world often have very convoluted ideas about who and what we are, you know, just based on what they see in pop culture. Uh, I'm sure they see a quite a difference here. We've been told so. Uh, we've been told that some West Africans think this is a Nigerian program, you know, and we just speak in English, you know, every now and again. No, we are an African-American program who just speak Yoruba every now and again, you know, but we, we appreciate that as a compliment, that we would be confused with being a Nigerian program uh, because the stereotype about who black Americans are is not great in the world. The stereotype about who Americans are is not great in the world. So there's a word out there. There's a word, I'm sure, in the U.K. that you all use to describe Americans, you know, and maybe even black and white Americans that resonates with a Karen. Um, we just don't know what it is. You might know what it is, Craig Burns, but we, we don't know what it is, but we sure you got a word. Um, we sure the French got one or two words. Uh, to describe Americans, you know, uh, and particularly black and white Americans. So, um, yeah, that's what that's about. Oh, yeah, I called the police on myself. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of it like that, Craig Burns, but you're right. You got a good point. Yeah, I flipped the script. I called the police on myself, you know. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm violating by being black in a public building. Y'all need to come down here and, and, and check this out. And they did. And I bet you they won't do that again. I bet you they won't do that again. That was right before I went to California to film To Tell the Truth with Anthony Anderson. Because after the fact, I was I was quite angry. I was angry for, I don't know, a good two weeks after that. And so that was in my spirit when I filmed To Tell the Truth on Anthony Anderson. Because some of y'all say I was a bit rigid in that performance. I was. I was. And then the little jokes that they were making at the time, if you watched it, didn't help. Didn't help. In that moment, it was about respect the ancestors, respect the voodoo. You know, we've, we've bowed down more than we should have to. We've had to lay down more than we should have to. And many of our people have given their lives for refusing to bow down, refusing to lay down, refusing to play along. And so we, we can't give up the fight, not now, not now. Uh, greeting Jennifer Anderson. I know I'm completely off track, y'all. Y'all have to forgive me. I sort of went into storytelling mode, I think, for a moment. Okay. It sounds like this conversation is flowing just the way it needs to. Okay. 
And Oton has a lot on her plate today, having to keep me on track by herself without Oloye. I wanted to introduce another story to y'all today. Um, it's called Dragon Man. Dragon Man. And you may not be familiar with Dragon Man. Dragon Man is a skull that was found recently and may be a new species of humanity, again, shaking up the human family. And we talk on this show about DNA a lot. Hidden down a well for decades, the stunningly complete cranium is stirring debate about the increasing number of fossils that don't neatly fit into the classic human origin story. The strange skull appeared soon after the Japanese invaded northeast China in the early 1930s. A team of locals was raising a bridge near Harbin, a city in China's northernmost province, when one of the workers stumbled on a surprise in the river mud. The nearly complete human skull had an elongated cranium from which a heavy brow bone protruded, shading the gapping squares that once housed eyes. And then there was the skull's unusual size. It's enormous, says paleoanthropologist Chris Stringer of London's National History Museum, Natural History Museum. Perhaps aware of the multitude of the find, the man secreted the skull away, secreted the skull away in an abandoned well. And now nearly 90 years later, a study published in the journal, The Innovation, makes the case that the skull represents a new human species, Homo longi or Homo longi, L-O-N-G-I, longi or longi, or, or, or better known as the dragon man. Two additional studies revealed that the stunningly preserved cranium likely came from a male that died at least 146,000 years ago. 146,000 years ago. Its mashup of both ancient and more modern anatomical features hints at a unique placement on the human family tree. I've been... I've held a lot of other human skulls and fossils, but never like this, says paleoanthropologist Jin Ni of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, who is an author of all three studies. Based on the shape and size of the Harbin skull, as it's often called, in comparison to other known fossils, the researchers posit that it's closely related to several other perplexing human fossils from the same time period that have been found across Asia. The researcher analysis suggests all these fossils belong to a group that is closely related to our own species, perhaps even more so than Neanderthal. And for a long time, Neanderthal is is really the only other hominin species that we knew the most about. Maybe Homo erectus, I can remember Homo erectus from, like, elementary school. Of course, we all can kind of remember Homo, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Neanderthal uh, uh, being spoken of. And then we heard that word caveman. 
which has always been a derogatory term. It was a derogatory term then, uh, and even in its new meaning in translation, it's still used as a derogatory term uh, today. But when we think about what is that exactly, what came in just Neanderthal, what came in anything predating human humanness, humanity, the, the development of the human species from the various hominids that existed. And we think about the many others that existed closely in the same uh, time period of, of growth and evolution. Uh, Homo erectus, Homo habilis, Homo garhi, Homo africanus, Homo robusta, and, and many, many other homo longi fits right along with uh, the Denisovians, which I talk about a lot. They're probably second most um, commonly found archaeologically to Neanderthals and will probably be soon making their way into your DNA test. They have enough DNA to compare 23andMe to compare you to Neanderthals, but they don't quite have enough DNA, I believe, to compare us to all the other varying forms of hominids that also were were forming and developing um, on the planet relatively around around the same length of time. So, again, when we talk about indigenous, that's why that's important. Um, they've updated. Ancestry.com, again, and for those who don't understand, they don't change your DNA. They uh, add copies by way of humans spitting into the tube, but also by way of archaeological digs, archaeological sources, where they are able to pull uh, DNA records, complete DNA records from. So your DNA records will evolve over time, will grow. Evolve is probably the best word, over time. And and, and should not, would not just remain stagnant or or the same. So again, when I look back furthest in time, and yes, I'm looking at 23andMe, if I didn't say that. 23andMe. My oldest ancestors talking about in time, going back towards the Neanderthals, would have been Southeastern Asian and also Indigenous American. And some of you have heard me say that before, but what has changed is my Indigenous American results are now more even, evenly distributed with my Southeast Asian uh, results more more evenly distributed. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up. No, that's the wrong one. Twenty three and me. Give me a second, y'all. Bear with me. There, there, I'm going to want to look at my updates too because they they changing and adding stuff. Yes, yes, and it's important to pay attention. I think some people think. You know, I take the test once, I spit in the tube, you know, it's a wrap. No, you, 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 it takes a lot of the hard work out. 
but but you still have to continue to do research. You still have to piece bits together. Uh, Ancestry.com, for example, um, could not tell the difference between first cousin, uncle, uh, or even first cousin and half brother or sister until recently. So if you haven't been in your uh, Ancestry.com test uh, in the last week, then you don't know that there's been an update to Ancestry.com. And so now behind every name on your list, they ask you, do you recognize them? You either click yes or you click learn more. If you click yes, it then asks you to be specific about their relationship. So, for example, um, for example, on my personal Ancestry.com, uh, my cousin Norvell Jr. Now, many of you know the story. We just discovered my mother's brother by DNA, I don't know, maybe five years ago. Uh, just found out he had a grown daughter named Yvette. I discovered her by DNA just in the last nine months, maybe, the last year. Um, and Norvell has always been on my list, but didn't quite know who he was until we fit, you know, fit the pieces together. Norvell and I haven't chatted since 2018. That's before I knew all this other dynamics of his family. So I know who he is now. But when you click yes, and it then asks you to choose, it says 70% chance he's first cousin, 77% chance he's first cousin removed, 77% chance that he's uh, great-grandfather, which we know that's not possible, and 77% chance that he's uh, great-grandson. And, and we know that that's not the possible relationship. But if you don't have any information, you don't have any living relatives to sort of bounce this off, figuring out who some of the people are on your list is going to be a challenge to you. If, if it's that big of a discrepancy in terms of where they would actually fit in your tree. So fortunately, you know, I'm doing my homework. I'm reaching out to the people who show up in my results. Um, we're asking questions. We're jotting down names. And, and so far, we, we know who everyone is. And I'm grateful for all my new relatives. I'm grateful for all my old relatives. And I'm grateful for all the relatives that are that are yet to come. I swear Ancestry.com owes me a check, a commission check, for promoting DNA and DNA work. And I know that people are listening because the, the percentage of my own relatives that are now showing up in the test suggests that somebody's listening and you all are, are in your own timing deciding that you're going to do this work. And, and have the have the work done. Um, greetings, Lakeithia, Lakeithia Mims, my beloved cousin. Uh, Lala, welcome, beloved. She's probably born in April '89. Greetings, Cameron Hoagland. I'd love to talk to you about your last name. Uh, Bill Owens, Artesia Finner, Trevor Owens. Greetings, beloved. We are family indeed. Santa Love. Chantalub Thompson, Chantalub Thompson, greetings, beloved, Trina Young, Cheryl Lynn Robinson, Christine Hollis, uh, Kayla Miller, greetings, Kayla Miller, beloved, we are family, 
Kenneth Dotson, we're relatives. Barbara Canty, uh, FB are the initials, but her account is being run by Ken Steph 2000. Welcome, beloved. Cynthia Smith, greetings. Joshua Payton, greetings. Aileen Sanders, or Aileen Sanders, Dorothy Stanley, Chocolate Crave Bull, DW. I appreciate all of you and look forward to continued meeting um, with you over time and, and gathering information about, about who these people are in our lives, in our ancestry, you know. So those two yellow bars, the one at the bottom, I'm not sure how well you all are able to see that broadcast um, by way of the stream yard. But the gold one at the bottom is my Indonesian, Thai, Kimmer, Merimer ancestry. And so the yellow just above it is indigenous American. I most likely had a first, a fourth great-grandparent, a fifth great-grandparent, or sixth great-grandparent, or seventh or greater great-grandparent, who was 100% indigenous American. This person was likely born between 1700 and 1790. And herein lies the problem for our Moors and our other uh, uh, cultural groups, ethnic cultural groups, who who say that they weren't slaves, who say that they didn't come to Africa, who say that they people were already here. And indeed, there is a footprint there of indigenous Americans who are in my blood, who very well could have been born living, were born living and alive 1700 or earlier, 1730 or earlier, who were not African. In, in, in any extent. But that di- differentiation, that distinction is going to show up in, in your DNA test. And so indigenous American is, is, is much more closely aligned with Asian than with African in, in terms of, of blood connectivity. But there is some relative truth to their story in that there were those who were here. But that distinction would be discernible in the DNA. So it shows 1760 uh, African blood from more than one ethnic group now entering my DNA chain. And so this indeed could be an advent of middle passage, of enslavement. Angolan, Congolese, Nigerian, Senegambian, Ghanaian, and then further down, 1850, 1820, Ghanaian, Liberian, Ghana, Ghanaian, Liberian, Sierra Leone, you know, in those years where we've been told that the uh, Middle Passage was its most um, intense. I think it's also interesting to note, or my 23andMe anyway, the absence of Eurocentric ancestry on this time bar. That was not the case um, a week ago. That was not the case. So the uh, increasing of indigenous American, that's new on my results, it evening out with um, 
that ancient uh, Southeast Asian, that, that has evened out. But also um, the absence of, oh, here it is, British and Irish. Forgive me, at the top. The British and Irish is right here, right here. Most likely I had a second great-grandparent, third great-grandparent, fourth great-grandparent, or fifth great-grandparent who was 100% British and Irish. This person was likely born between 1760 and 1850. Yes, yeah, so that, again, that timing lines up right in here with enslavement and the Middle Passage. But prior to that, Indigenous American and uh, Southeast Asian American. And absolutely, the Indigenous and the African could very well have inter- intermixed in, in early 1750s, 60s, and, and led to, you know, this beautiful brown skin you have here before you today. So I appreciate the opportunity to continue to share my DNA journey along with my many other cousins um, who find their way here somehow to this sacred space. And I'm grateful for it uh, as a tool. Uh, Anna Saucy, what I just showed was 23andMe. That was a part of the... Uh, I thought that was ancestry. No, the last one I showed... Um, hold on. The last one I showed with the uh, Southeast Asian mm-hmm. and going back in time, this is 23andMe. Oh, mine looks different. Okay, so, oh, wow. I thought that was Ancestry, so I apologize. 23 and I, is it a Nazi? Please, and I apologize. I had it backwards. I thought this was Ancestry. This is 23andMe. Yeah, okay, so this is, yeah. So you have Ancestry as well. I apologize. Yeah, that's 23andMe. And, um, and, and Ancestry, this is Ancestry.com. And once upon a time, some of you might remember, if I had scrolled the page down, which you can't do that anymore now. But before, you could scroll the page down and that timeline would appear. It would appear at the bottom of the screen, and then it also would have appeared right over here to the right, uh, 1,500, 1,600, 17. For some reason, they have removed that from Ancestry.com or at least changed your accessibility to it. When I called, that was good information. Yeah, it was. It was very good information. I'm trying to see if I can reproduce it, but it's not happening. Even when I go into this region, it, it's no longer there. Before, mm-hmm. it would tell us exactly when our ancestors would have been in this region. Sort of like mm-hmm. what I just demonstrated on um, 23andMe. Yeah, a Democratic Republic of Congo, Cameroon. When I say I appreciate you, I mean it. We're, we're related. We're blood related. I'm also okay. blood related to um, Asheo. I'm also related to um, Ni- Nigeria, Ivory Coast in Ghana, Togo, Burkina Faso, Sierra Leone.
Nigeria has over 200 ethnic groups in it. I can't say that enough. 200 ethnic groups in Nigeria. Everybody can't be Yoruba. Everybody can't be Yoruba. Now, I heard somebody say earlier today it's the biggest, most expansive ethnic group. That, that very well may be true. But it's not the only one. Uh, please, I welcome your questions, your comments. We got about, I don't know, eight minutes left in the show. Um, you know, it's interesting because, and I don't want to say the wrong thing and certainly not live on air. Um, I believe I have communicated with Dr. Antoinette Hill, like personally, in social media, and particularly earlier back, 2005, 2006, uh, Yahoo 360 was still up and running. Um, it was a few other sites that were still up and running and even popular back at that time. MySpace was not a music site. It was a social media site back then where you could control your own HTML, which is one of the things that I liked about it. Um, and I communicated, I'm sure, several times with Dr. Harold. May have even shared um, being on podcast uh, or in a podcast environment, but never personally that I can recall or directly. Um, if we communicated by phone or by email, um, it's been so long that I can't. It's been so long that I can't remember right now, but I'm absolutely familiar with who Dr. Antoinette Harold is. Um, and the type of work that's being done in terms of uh, DNA and, and particularly genealogy. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's too late to call into the Blog Talk Radio, so I appreciate those of you who remain on the line, who are listening. Um, if you have a question, comment, or request in these last few minutes, uh, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic. And, of course, my StreamYard guests and YouTube and Facebook, I certainly do appreciate your consistency and your participation and love and ongoing support for this show. Um, my heart swells um, with gratitude at the reach of this ministry uh, and what we're able to do here. Um, the many families, not just individuals, but the many families who are doing ancestral work and divination with me, the many individuals who are initiating with me and have become a part of our community, uh, the many people who have moved here to the city uh, and have become a part of our community and are involved at, at various levels of, of art and, and culture and politics and horticulture and, and gardening and, and all the things that really make up village, that really make up a community, that really make up Elay that really make up having, you know, a, a voodoo house. So, so I'm indeed grateful um, for the continued reach of the show, um, geographically as, as well as at the heart level. Just how deep into you all's hearts you all continue to allow us to come and to be and to be president. And, and, and for that, I'm indeed um, grateful. I meet a lot of people. I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of email. 
It's not easy to remember everybody. <laughs> you know, they say the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So, you know, the people who check in most often, I, I see it here most often, who email me most often, who tweet me most often, that's generally who I interact with. But I try not to forget anyone um, along this journey. And there have been many along the journey uh, who come and go, who step up and who fall back, who, who move on or who move back, you know, whatever the journey. But I'm grateful. I'm indeed grateful. I had no vision of this reality when Hurricane Katrina hit our city. I had no vision of this reality um, before I spit in that first DNA tube. I had no vision of this degree of family um, and support. And, and going from me and one of my other cousins talked about this earlier today, going from childhoods, because many of us felt the same way of being isolated or alone or not having support or not, or not having family to now having an overwhelming amount of family and powerful and important family who understand the value of ATR tradition, traditional African-based religious systems and practices, and who, and who are actively participating in it. Uh, there's no greater feeling of support and confirmation and, and a surety um, that I can give, and, and I'm sure too can speak for herself. But, but for me, it just sures up everything that I always thought about myself, all, everything I always believed, everything I always thought that voodoo was supposed to do for me and was going to take me to. Um, this is just really being confirmed just on, on multiple levels now, you know, with this whole DNA and, and the family relationships. And what's growing out of the family relationships. We are growing a relationship for sure. Otum, Oloye, Lakithia, many others here in the room. But man, even my mother is is forming relationships with some of our uh, DNA relatives that I don't necessarily talk to every day, but she does. And just like in any family, you know, the older people connect to certain people, the middle-aged folks connect to a certain group, the younger folks can, you know, and so that happens in a family. But what's good to me is, is that first degree of separation. I'm not calling you every day, but my mama is, you know, you may not necessarily be calling me every day, but your sister is, you know, and it keeps, you know, the wheel turning, you know, within the dynamics um, of our family, you know, so I'm grateful. I'm indeed grateful. Um, we have a few minutes left, Otan, if you want to share. Um, otherwise, I'm going to move forward. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you, support that sentiment, and echo it. I am more than grateful. Um, I can say a lot of the times, a lot of the things we think we would end up doing in the direction we would go to achieve that, uh, we first discovered that uh, the Most High has other plans. Um, but I am grateful. I'm grateful that it didn't go my way. I'm grateful that the Most High, that Oliver Mighty, had different plans for me because the plans that were set for me led me to my cousin Baba Olivia. But the plans that were set for me led me to my cousin, Divine Prince, um, to Queen Mother Savage. I mean, I, I am truly grateful. I am still researching. Uh, my ancestry and going over a lot of things. There's some things I'm still um, pushing to discover, and I look forward to it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it's not just for me, but for my children as well. They 
know where they come from, what stock they, they come out of. And if anything, that also opens the door for our future generations to take part in that healing in, in that in that ancestral veneration and elevation that may be needed to break generational curses. So it is very much important that we get our um, ancestry done, that we look into tests like that, whether it be with Ancestry.com or whether it's with 23 and Me, there are other um, sites and businesses that, that do those tests and can connect you. Um, but it's important. It's important. It's not just about you. It's about your children or your nieces or your nephews because it was a lot growing up and knowing that certain things wasn't said because some of our older generations, some of our elders, and some of our uh, who are now ancestors, everyone had family secrets and we didn't talk about those or you didn't do that. And guess what? Those secrets are now coming full circle and we're the ones that have to now do the work. We're the ones that have to do the digging. So my, my, I encourage us all to not just get the information, but to find out, get, set it aside, and make sure that it's not information that has to be fought for, that has to be felt for, that has to be searched for, so your future generations can know where they come from and pass that on. There's nothing like it. I enjoy discovering people that I'm related to, and to 23 and me stay updating. Every, I, every other week they're telling me I got anywhere from 25 to 500 new relatives and all kinds of people popping up. And I'm, I mean, pages upon pages of people yeah. that I'm just scrolling through and just like, oh, my goodness. And it, it feels good. So I plan on uh, keep, I plan on keeping uh, everything going, and I encourage you to as well. Those listening, please, yeah, I encourage you, those watching, to also search that. So I'm grateful for everyone. I'm grateful to my cousin Divine. I'm grateful the Queen Mother Savage, just the time to be here with you, the opportunity to be allowed to share this space. I'm grateful to everyone listening, watching, and encourage you uh, anytime if anything resonates with you, have a question or an issue and you need some assistance, please know that part of our job is also service for the community, so you are welcome to reach out to any one of us, whether it be Devon, uh, Baba Lawyer, or myself. We are here to assist, and if not directly assist, at least be willing to guide you in the direction where you can get the assistance that you like to everyone. And I'm done. Enjoy your weekend. Yes, I say. And you just gave me a thought, gratitude. Somebody here listening on the sound of our voice needed to hear what you said, and I'm going to say it again. I am grateful that I didn't always get what I wanted. I am grateful you know, some of y'all are so strong on working your spells and incantations and making things happen magically. So grateful that I did not always get what I wanted. I am so grateful that God saw better than I could see, the goddess saw better than I could see, the ancestors saw better than I could see, and they knew when to hold it back. They knew when to send me on a detour. They knew when to sit me down and shut me up. They knew when to put a block in my road so that I can be where I'm standing today. And, and I'd give nothing for my journey now, Evangelist Savage. I'd give nothing for my journey now. I'm grateful, grateful to be standing where I'm standing today. I'm grateful to be standing where I'm standing in history, in culture, in demonstration, in tradition. So for, for my young listeners and even for some of my old listeners, hear clearly, because we mean it. When we say, I'm grateful I didn't always get what I wanted. I'm grateful I didn't always manage to get in where I thought I was supposed to be 
and set up where I thought I was supposed to set up because I might not be here with y'all today. Might not have been alive, might have been in the 9-11, might have been in the club in Florida when it got blown up because I could have been everywhere. I was traveling the country. I could have been anywhere at any time, and it could have been me. So I'm grateful. Be grateful. That's why I say all is a blessing. Some of those blocks is your blessing. You got to change your vision. It's an illusion. It's not a block. It's an illusion. And where you think you must go, where you think you need to go, or or that partner you think you're supposed to have, okay, I I had to tell a sister the other day, okay, yes, he'll be back. He'll be back in a few days, and he's going to beat you to the curb. So be careful about showing gratitude. Be careful about getting what you want, asking for what you want. Be specific and be clear about what it is that you want, or at least that you believe that it is that you want. But but, but be willing to let the ancestors and the Most High make make the choice, because ultimately they can see where we can. They can go where we can't go. So I, I appreciate that was a good one right there, Oakton. Yeah. I'm grateful I didn't get everything I wanted. I'm grateful I didn't get everything I asked for. I'm grateful I, I didn't die when I prayed to die. Some of y'all didn't pray to die. Some of y'all didn't pray for suicide and death and all bunch of stuff. Only to find yourself where you are right now. Seeking. Yes. Seeking. So, yeah, be grateful that you don't always get what you want because sometimes always God knows better. Your ancestors know better. Uh, thank you, Mom. I'm going to move forward, y'all. All is a blessing. Peace and love. Joy and prosperity. Until next time, remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil. All just an illusion. Congo Square. Congo Square, Congo Square, Congo the Square. Omers Indian. The Omers Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omers Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. 
And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drum, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be be we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are, be bambula dance, be banza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness 
that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember to beat, to be, we are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be, beat, Congo Square. B. Congo Square. B. 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 Remember. Remember. 